All right, we're back with Serge, and we're going to pepper you with questions like the moon was peppered with rocks. How does that sound? <laughs> well, let me have it. <laughs> All right, Ash, why don't you start us off? All right. Uh, Serge, one of the one of the things I have written down here is, is I'd like to get into a little bit more is kind of explain a little bit more about the irrigation system um, that was uh, how how the plants were watered and maybe maybe some people think that maybe there's a floating mantle with all the water underneath the underneath the mantle right well there was a reservoir of water uh, underneath the, the earth uh, between the mantle and the core and you could say that the mantle and the crust was floating above that uh, there were uh, cracks all over the world uh, the Lord designed that and, and where the waters would come up and uh, basically nurture and give plants water because according to spirit of prophecy and and, and the bible there was no rain before the flood there was no rain there was really basically no weather so the plants were 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 fed through through these cracks and and a mist would form in the morning and so that was the main thing and and i do have to say that at the flood when the waters of the deep boiled these cracks expanded and eventually the pressure caused a huge rift to develop and what happened is as these waters came up from the deep and it was boiling water as these waters depleted it caused a lot of the areas under the mantle to settle because you now have a cavity you have all these waters coming to the surface and these huge areas after they settled the waters that came out and the waters from the the uh, the canopy that was raining down on earth formed the water basins. Mm. They, they went to these areas that settled, and then we have today the uh, the ocean basins. Very good. Very good. Interesting. So, one question I've always had going through my academic journey was Pangea. So it, does that really, I mean, that sounds like it relates to this part of your theory here. Oh, very much so. Uh, Pangea, uh, before the flood, there were interfingering seas and rivers around the earth. They weren't really big uh, seas. They were probably maybe the size of the Mediterranean, you know, like here and there, uh, randomly located. Well, at the flood, with the great uh, waters of the deep exploding and causing the surface of the earth to crack, huge rifts system developed, lateral systems to the major systems, and it caused uh, upheaval of water and sediments. They were boiling, and the, the and it caused these different plates to develop, what we call continental and oceanic plates, which eventually caused these uh, these plates begin to uh, separate from one another, and it formed today's oceans, basins, and continents, uh, continent uh, that we have today, like North America and South America. All of these, if you look, they're nothing but floating plates that originated from one or uh, one area. So how much of a percentage of the earth do you think was actual dry land? You know, right now we, we have what, maybe a, a third of the earth is actually dry land and the other two thirds ocean. What would you, what could you percentage or, 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 you know, uh, give us an idea of how much actual dry land was actually. On uh, speculation, I'm thinking before the flood, remember there was mostly lush vegetation. So, and the canopy that I believed existed or the bubble around the earth uh, provided constant temperature, perfect conditions. So you didn't need the oceans to help cool and heat the earth like we have today. So I would say maybe two thirds of the earth's surface could have been dry land with interfingering seas that harbored the, uh, the marine life. 
But you have to con- realize the conditions were perfect back then. They, they were just stable the way the Lord meant it to be. Mm-hmm. And at the flood, all that was disturbed. So Lord, in his mercy and his wisdom, realized we needed oceans after the flood to help maintain that balance. Something that I am reminded of is this common theory today in academics and even in Christianity is kind of, in my mind, compromising to saying that it was a localized flood, right, compared to a worldwide flood. What are some of the evidences in geology that are are counter to the localized flood theory? Well, for one thing, that's a good question you raise. It, the, the type of fossils we found and in the settings that we find these fossils, there are uh, sediment layers that relate from one part of the world to another. They're almost, they're called uh, uh, index uh, fossils. The, the fossils are found in these layers are called index fossils because they're worldwide. Now, if there was not a worldwide flood, you, you, you couldn't find these. They're, they're, they're found in all corners of the world. And the sediments and the, the makeup of these sediments show similar origins mm-hmm. and widespread distribution. Interesting. Um, one question I do have for you. Um, based on the canopy, you said, you know, the perfectness of the, uh, the weather, the climate. Um, is that where we find larger animals and plants before the flood based on a higher O2 percentage and the fact that things lived longer in the, uh, in the fossil record? Yes. Uh, right. Before the flood, uh, because of the perfect conditions, we had the perfect amount of, of sunlight without the uh, ultraviolet radiation bombarding and causing mutation and all that. Mm. Uh, the Lord had it made perfectly sense with the waters coming in from the deep through these cracks and, and, and giving the plants the perfect mineral uh, amounts that they needed. The, the, the vegetation was just perfect. We, we see that the oxygen level had a big play in causing organisms to grow larger. And it's at the same time, we have to realize that at the flood, uh, the, the sediments that rose uh, and caused the uh, burial of animals, you have to realize that um, fish and other creatures that uh, lived in, in, in interfingering seas, when they were buried so fast, they had no chance to escape. But other organisms such as uh, amphibians and reptiles, they had a little bit of time to try to escape and go to higher ground, but they were also consumed. And then, of course, you have the larger animals and man. They were smart. They, they were clever. They climbed to higher ground to, pre- to prevent themselves from being buried. So what you see in the, in the uh, geologic record, you see the, the small stuff at the bottom and the big stuff at the top. People, you know, evolutionists will like to say, well, there's proof for evolution. <laughs> when indeed, it's just the animals were able to escape and the, the, the heavier and the bigger ones went to higher ground. The ones that were already in the water didn't have a chance and they died and they were buried first. And I think you also also mentioned before that some of them uh, floated to the top due to bloating or something like that. Right. right. As the bodies decompose, uh, you have these gases forming. So the larger the organisms, the more bloating, and that would cause them to float. The same thing with birds as they fell from, from the air. You know, the feathers, they, it allowed them to float. And so they were buried further up in the geologic sequence. Very good. Um Evolutionists say small to big when it comes to fossils, right, in the fossil record. Uh, but what we find is is big to small. Um, 
kind of expand on that and, and why that is. Um, obviously, animals live longer, right, based on the fact that they uh, um, had more oxygen and, and um, maybe were, were created a little, not differently, but just, just had a better living environment than we do today without the death and the, you know, being closer to her creation. We have had, you know, years and years and years of sin to uh, degenerate our our bodies and also animals' bodies. That's exactly right, because if you look, uh, Adam and Eve, uh, it is believed they were about 12 to 18 feet tall. <laughs> so the antediluvians were very much larger than we are. Uh, but the, the key of what you just uh, said, uh, sin played a major role, but also the change in the oxygen levels. Uh, I believe that our blood uh, is totally saturated. Uh, you have four hemoglobins, and it could saturate the total amount of uh, oxygen. And so uh, with the oxygen levels uh, lower today, we're, I think our bloods are not as saturated as they were. And also the, uh, the, the dinosaurs, uh, the giant animals back then were able to live in a higher oxygen uh, environment. If you, if you try to put them in our today's environment, they probably would not survive because of the, the changes in levels. So sin and um, all of these things played a key to that. Very good. I'm, you mentioned dinosaurs, and I'm glad because I, I feel like that's a, a hang-up for some individuals. And we haven't discussed this, but do you feel like that the, the dinosaurs were destroyed at the flood? or It's an interesting uh, question. And my theory is a lot of the antediluvians played with, with uh, chemistry back then. And it does say they were clever. They were very smart. I think they created a lot of abominations. They took animals and mixed them together. And a lot of the animals we see, the skeletons of dinosaurs, could have been amalgamations. Yeah. And because of that, the Lord destroyed them. They were not allowed to go into the uh, into Noah's uh, Ark. And, and Noah's Ark, I know this is uh, your thoughts here, but what it, you think you know the location of kind of where he started his journey? Can you explain? I, yes, I believe the Lord really guided Noah in this way. He said, Noah, I want you to build close to a river, which goes to the closest interfingering sea. So Noah had plenty of water because he had to mix the pitch and everything for the, for the ark. As the waters grew, uh, lifted or, or raised up during the flood and uh, the interfingering seas harbored the uh, marine animals, they were allowed to travel to the ark. And I believe angels uh, protected these animals and allowed them to stay within a certain radius of Noah's Ark, mm. whales and dolphins. And then the little things like crabs and uh, uh, jellyfish and everything, a lot of those could have clung, clung to the bottom of the Ark. And this Ark was protected by the angel because you realize the upheaval of the flood. Nothing really survived. Like I said, Satan feared for his, his own existence. That's this how is, bad it was. This is where miracles come in you know and, and i'm okay with that oh, because yeah. we're saying god started this whole process and if he wanted to save somebody he could make a way well let's not limit him right i mean he he makes a boat for all the dry animals and all the all the humans to survive well who's to say that half a mile radius from that boat every animal every sea creature that was created could be safe inside that you know let's not limit his uh his protection you know i think that's one of the things you know we try to personify god well you know in, in a in a finite way that yeah. because our brains are are so small but uh and it know. is funny how people want to give god credit when 
when the Bible mentions him destroying, right? They would say, well, he was he a was destroyer. He was a destroyer. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's give him credit for the the saving part too, and and his ability to do that. And what I like about some of the things you brought up, Serge, is that if anyone knows the chemistry of the elements of this world, mm. who better to know how to uh, manipulate those things for for good or in this case for a destructive event. And I'm glad you mentioned that because look look at the beauty and the uh, the wisdom of the Lord. So much CO two was was expelled from the deep, the the fountains of the deep. That that CO two had to be gotten rid of some way. Otherwise, our world would be like Venus today. <laughs> right. What happened was the CO two with the perfect combination of chemistry with the oxygen and the atmosphere formed limestone. Limestone is one of the most abundant rock. It contains most of the CO2. So the Lord in his wisdom got rid of the, the CO2 through the limestone. The, all this water, how did you form the ocean? Well, as the waters of the deep depleted, it formed cavities and huge areas the earth uh, just uh, settled. And all these waters came down and formed the ocean basins. Without the oceans today, we could not live. We could not survive. Before the flood, we had a canopy that provided the perfect balance. Now we have to have oceans. Only two of those systems can allow uh, life to exist on Earth. A canopy, which was before the flood, or the oceans that we have today. They provide a balance of temperature. They provide weather, rain. It's, it's just here... Our Lord's perfect wisdom. So like we were talking about in the first episode, uh, mm -hmm. you know, even in his destruction, his creation is still perfect. And that's that's kind of one of the things that really attracts me to to our Lord and Savior. Um, kind of, you know, I know that, you know, we, we could talk about this forever. I'm, I'm having a blast, but I kind of want to try to maybe uh, take what we know about Noah's Ark and kind of... Um, uh, associated with what we have today, right? What, what we're going through today. And, and one of the ver Bible verses that, that really stands out to me is Genesis 7, 1. And, uh, and it says, And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark. For thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. And I know that, you know, being that we believe that this is the end times and, and we're living in a, in, a, in a time period where... Um, uh, Secularism is is really is really starting to take over, uh, especially in when you have the social media and and the media and just almost in every aspect of our life. Um, you know, God is calling us to be righteous, like like He called Noah to be righteous um, before the flood and and before the the new. You know, for 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 metaphor, you know, the new ark. You know, we're we're going to be in we're going to be going up to heaven to meet Him, and um, I just, you know, I'd like to get your thoughts on on how how it kind of relates to today, based on what you know about the past. Yes, uh, the coming flood is going to be with water, uh, well, with with fire. But we had water in the past. Now we're going to have fire. Mm -hmm. We uh, the flood was kind of like a a uh, how could you say it? It, it helped to um, purify the earth, if you will, from all the effects of the antediluvians. In the future, it'll take fire to purify. You're right. We are living in the time, and even Jesus said, just like in Noah's day, they they married, you know, they 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 had fun, whatever, and then suddenly, the sudden destruction came. Mm -hmm. We are living at a time where we are just before the second coming, before the next flood, mm -hmm. if you will, with fire, and we do need to heed the Lord's warnings. We need to make our ourselves ready 
because just like before the flood, you know, the, the, the scoffers existed. They say, oh, the earth cannot be destroyed. And it was. Many believe today that things won't change, you know, just continue in your own ways. But we are in a process of headed, we're headed towards the second destruction. I just saw today, uh, the idea was live for the now and don't think about the future. And as a teacher, that stood out to me because kids, especially, it's easy to think just living for the now. They, you know, the, the maturity isn't there to contemplate that, you know, what am I going to leave as far as, you know, my family's name and things for the future, but also preparing others maybe for, for what's happened in the past. Because studying history, uh, I was asked, why do you want to study history? And now I tell my kids, you know, we can't understand the now as if we don't know our history. And we can also, it's kind of a predictor at times of course of the future. So I like that, that contrast or that comparison rather of how, yes, God destroyed with water, uh, an essential element to survival, by the way. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And and in the future, it's going to be with fire, which is also very, um, very, you know, important to survival, but it's also those two things are cleansers as well. So the trash that is being uh, uh, produced today with plastics and metals and everything, it's only fire is the only thing that can destroy it. And it does say in the, in, in, I believe in revelation that the, 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 the elements will melt with fervent heat. Hmm. I believe the Lord would actually separate the elements causing all that energy to expand and, and, and I, I believe the saved will see the new earth created in front of them. Hmm. And that's reminding me, too, that, you know, the Bible says this is going to be a time like no other. And the same thing goes for Noah's generation. They did not ever experience, you know, seasons per se. Like you were, can you expound on that a little bit? Yeah, they, they, they were, first of all, they were numb. They became numb to everything around them. They, they put everything that was related to God aside. Uh, you know, we can't have prayer in schools anymore. We, we it, Everything that's Christian-related or God, it seems like it's put away now. Hmm. So in a sense, we are now becoming numb, Not also with technology that we have. Not to, I don't have anything against technology, but you look at what technology is doing. It could basically replace or try to replace God. You know, kids are so, uh, they're so, yes, ingrained with so many technological advances that they don't have time. That's the point. They don't have time to set aside for God. That's why I like that we're using technology here for good. But also (laughs) that that battleground is really essentially over our minds. Absolutely. How we're going to relate to God or our fellow man. And so, yeah. And also, um, Ash, did, did you have one more well, I just, yeah, I, I, I think that um, what really piqued my interest most of all about Serge's presentation that you and I listened to about a year ago was just the um, the fact that, you know, when we when we think of a creator God, we think of, you know, like you were talking about earlier, the destruction, right? We think, wow, you know, how could a, how could a loving God destroy all this stuff? Mm. But he used the flood to give us a um, kind of a, 
uh, new beginning. Yeah, a new beginning, but also just just to let us know that you know he is real. All the all the geologic all the geological findings that we have. I mean, we we can look at this and say, well, as a as a creationist or as a Christian, this makes sense. But a lot of the evolutionists that I've listened to, you know, they they're like, well, we don't understand this, or we don't know why this is happening, and we don't see that, you know, and then. You know, so to me, I think that it's interesting. That it's kind of like a puzzle. We, we put the puzzle pieces together through our foundational relationship with God as opposed to secular scientists, where which you came from. That's what you were before. And, and so, you know, kind of tell us a little bit about how those puzzle pieces fit together for you when you kind of came into the Christian walk with, with, with uh, being a Seventh-day Adventist now. Yeah. For, like I said, for a long time, I was brainwashed with evolution. And uh, it took, I don't know how the Lord did it, but he, he turned that around. Uh, I, I began to, first of all, question, why? Why is this the way it is? And, I, and Noah's flood always came to mind. I thought, there's got to be a way to explain this. Mm. And for a long time, you know, I tried to fight it. And then finally, uh, through chemistry, through uh, evidences in the, in the sediments, through um, so many articles that, you know, explain certain phenomena relating to sediments and to, to how things were formed, I, I finally... Prayed. I did pray to the Lord, you know, give give me that that wisdom, and if if possible, let me try to uh, share that with with others so they can understand it as well. So all these came together, you know, especially the chemical part, you know, forming the the, of the sandstone and limestone, the chemical uh, reactions, the the equations are real. You can look at them yourselves, and they make sense if you look at the chemistry of the fountains of great deep and the chemistry of the atmosphere before the flood, how they intermingled and all of the, the sequence of events and uh, the, the, the step-by-step -step, uh, comparisons and uh, interactions, you can see it makes all sense. So Serge, what I'm hearing is possibly that prior to having a biblical worldview, you were taught a certain way. Yes. And yet, some things didn't make sense. Would you say, and this is what I've been telling our audience as I've been delving into these topics, because I'm not a scientist, but I've had questions and I want to be able to uh, logically um, answer people's questions when related to these topics. But would you say that it makes more sense now from a biblical worldview as you approach these issues? Yes. Topics? Oh, yes. My, and, and, and it's easier to explain and it's exciting. Right. Because the evidence just speaks out to you. And and I think the presentation I gave a year ago, I think you could feel that. You could see mm, you no could doubt. see that it was not yeah. a, a bunch of hogwash. I mean, I, I have the scientific evidence. I've got the chemical, the, the physics. It, it shows that it's very probable and possible that that scenario could take place. And that's, you know, going back to the moon. We talked about the moon. I think every night when I look up and see the moon, that's a reminder of the flood to me. You know, it, it, and and maybe maybe it isn't to everybody else. You know, as a Christian, but I think that we can use that as a reminder of of God's love and compassion. Right? We we think of the flood as being nothing but destruction, but really, it's it, it was compassion. It was putting it was putting humans out of their misery of sin, which which is which is you know something that we can really go on about um, as as time moves forward, and that's why God's going to come back and say take His people, and also. You know, get rid of sin, and and it's sad, but it's it's still the truth. It's the way it is. Well, in the Bible, states that God does nothing without giving His message of warning or whatever truth through one of His messengers. Yes, and Noah was there 
preaching and hammering on that ark for, for over 100, 100 years. years. Yeah. And so I guess in our own little way, Ash, we're trying to do what Revelation says and help people realize they need to worship their creator Absolutely. before he comes back. So I do want to say one thing I didn't mm-hmm. share with you guys, and I think it's very important that I share that. I feel mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit wanting to. Back before the flood, uh, Satan used amalgamations to try to fool the people and everything. We have a new new major threat. Okay. The threat is we're we starting to see uh, UFOs and aliens. Oh, people are claiming. I mean, this is an increasing thing. I believe this is a modern situation where Satan is using amalgamations. Uh, The demons can take on different forms. So aliens are not really from other worlds because we are told the earth is under quarantine. Mm. All the unfallen worlds are not allowed to interfere or come to the earth. When you see aliens or people talk about abductions and everything, this is one of Satan's greatest hoax he is using his fallen angels to come as aliens to try to save the world well and everybody's that gets into spiritualism right absolutely you know that people think they can talk to their dead loved ones or the going back to the wrappings on the wall and things like that mm-hmm. you know these demons really i believe are fallen angels and in the bible itself says the the devil can uh cloak himself as an angel of light. That's mm-hmm. right. And that that's going to be a major deception, unfortunately, for a lot of people. Absolutely. I also want to, you know, I like that what you're talking about, you know, the other the other hosts of the heavens or the other creations out there. Let, let's just think about this logically. If if they know what's going on here on Earth, right? They're 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 very familiar. This is battleground zero yeah. for the whole universe. Why would they want to even come close to this place after when Satan killed Jesus, essentially? <laughs> right. Right? Okay. right. So so once his true character was shown, Satan's true character, after he killed, literally killed Jesus, that was right there. That that relegated Satan to earth for all time. That also um that also sent a message to all the other hosts of the heavens that, hey, you know. You know, Jesus' love is is true, it's pure, his law is right, his his law is pure and true. And why would they logically ever want to even come close to this place? You know, that that's that's where my mind goes. You're right, because this this place is infested with sin, mm. death, and anyone who would come here from an unfallen state would be completely committing suicide. Yeah. They'd be subjected to that same the same junk that we're susceptible to, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah that reminds me of the verse in Hebrews chapter 11, which for some reason, Ash, <laughs> we always go that back seems to, to be oh, a constant reminder on our shows. But uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3 says, and I wanted to bring this up in case people were wondering, why do we think there's other worlds out there? It says, through faith, we understand that the worlds, plural, were framed by the word of God. So that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. So to wrap up, Serge, as scientists or as a scientist, you want to look at the physical evidence. You want to be able to observe the processes. We can't always with what we read in scripture, but we are, I believe, given sufficient evidence in which to base our faith. Would you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that was a great passage. I'm glad you brought that up. Absolutely. Well, thanks for joining us. Yeah, Man, this has been, been great. Yeah, we appreciate it. Thank time. you very much. I really appreciated that, you that, that time.